Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. I want to say thank you to everybody that supports anything we got going on. Specific shout out to all the students at By the Hood University, as well as all the kids in the By the Hood uh, summer camp, our ownership camp, which has been amazing thus far. The feedback from the parents. I just want to say, I Listen, I appreciate you guys for all the amazing feedback. And, you know, you guys sending me pictures of your kids, like, looking up um, stocks and, and learning how to save. So uh, it's just amazing to see. I um, just want to say thank you to all you guys. We start all of our shows off with gratitude. My brother Corey isn't here today. It's, it's, it's the wife's birthday, but and happy birthday to, to Mrs. Camp. But with that being said, um, we still we still have to do our job, which is highlighting brothers and sisters who do amazing work in the community, are building amazing businesses, and just doing everything from a positive standpoint – and I have one of my Lancer sisters on with me. I have Shayna Harvey here. Shayna, who is a certified financial planner, by the way. And as she told me, the owner of her firm, <laughs> I asked about her firm. She says, oh, I own it. Like, you know, I want to make sure make sure I'm clear <laughs> in, 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 you know, how you told me. Oh, no, I own it. So, Shayna, how are you? I'm doing great, Jimmy. Thank you for having me today. Oh, listen, that was amazing. I, I love the way you said that, right? Yeah. <laughs> listen, it's I so said, good to say it, though. It actually really did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't have to check with anybody but me. But that's that's right. It's pride <laughs> It's pride and ownership. So listen, um, you know, uh, it's funny, right? Um, a lot of people that come through our show are fellow Lancers because we're out here changing the world. Um, but tell us about your background from, from being a baby. We're, what part of the city were you born, raised in? Um, tell us about yourself. Cool. I will, uh, yes, I got started here in the on this earth in germantown east germantown okay. to be specific uh somerville okay. shout out to everybody at 21st nidro nice uh, that's where i grew up that's where i was raised um and my parents lived they still live in uh, mount airy uh they moved when i was in college um so i still also have stomping grounds in mount airy uh, that's where my grandparents stay so i as i made, made sure to cover both ends of uh, uptown and that's nice um yeah born and raised in philly went to uh the greatest high school in the world so this is uh, true high school i'm the 255th graduating class um then went to temple university uh studied communications actually i wanted to make commercials and funny story the reason i did that i uh, was because i saw the movie boomerang when i was a kid and <laughs> I wanted to do what Eddie Murphy did. He got you. You got you. <laughs> so you I was are, like, you are not the first person that? to say that, by the way. You're not the first <laughs> person to say that. But that shows you how important like movies and culture are to what it is we do. Like a lot of us, I, I went to an HBCU because of a different world, right? Yeah. So it was like we, we get influenced by culture. Exactly. Um, exactly. Let me ask you this question, though, right? So you wanted to major in communications. You talked about Boomerang. You ended up in financial services. What, what kind of lessons or what were you taught as a kid? Like, were your parents in the financial services? Like, were they, you know, just Not uh, oblivious all. to it? Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, now, I will, now, if you ask them, they will probably say, I've been a financial planner since I was a kid. Mm. Um, I just didn't know what it was. Um, but I knew that I wanted stuff and we didn't have any money. And so... <laughs> 
I was on a mission to try to figure out how we can get some money. So uh, since I think I had my first business when I was maybe 10. Um, And I had, uh, you remember the Highlights magazines? Yes, I do. So on the back of the Highlights magazine, there was uh, just a a bunch of pictures of um, like toys and prizes. And so on, if you call the number on the toys and prizes, it was uh, the number to this like stationary sales uh, organization. Okay. And they got, it's probably illegal now, but they got kids to sell their products in exchange for these toys and prizes. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or you got to keep a dollar per item that you sold. So I called the number, my parents let me call the number. They send you a catalog and then give you instructions on how to sell this stationary, it was like gift wrap, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, so at like 10 years old, I was like, okay, well, I got to go build this business because I'm trying to get this scooter and you got to sell 50 items to get a scooter. <laughs> so I wanted a scooter. So yeah, I went door to door in my neighborhood and I had a customer base. I sold them stationary. I sold them uh, gift wrap. And but then when it came time to, uh, you know, choose the prize, then I thought about it. I was like, a dollar per item sounds better. So I'm going to take that instead. Mm. So you got to keep a dollar per item. Uh, And I had repeat repeat customers. So I would just go back Um, every they used to send a a book quarterly. So every quarter I would go back and go to my customers, see what they wanted this season. Um, And that was my first business. Nice. Um, and so that that's got to be, be illegal now. That's got to be illegal now. It's like, got to be. It's got to be right. Let's talk about labor laws at, at least. Uh, Absolutely. A violation of. <laughs> let's talk about that transition, though. Right. So your communications major. When did the switch happen and how did the switch happen for, you know, to, for you to get into your current field? Yeah. So the switch happened really my senior year of college. So I was about to graduate. And uh, I remember the day I decided that I had to run my own business. Um, I was, it was like maybe, I don't know, fall semester, senior year. I had this uh, advertising class and the professor was teaching everybody how to um, negotiate salary. Okay. And something just didn't sit right with something he said. He said, never ask for more than a dollar than what you think you're worth because then you won't get the job. And I was like, what? Never ask for more than a dollar than what I'm worth. I was like, I don't like that at all. Like, (laughs) I want to work and get what I work for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's what I wanted. I was like, hmm, sounds like I got to open my own business. But I didn't know in what. Okay. So my first idea was actually to start a uh, food truck. Um, I wanted to have, because it was always a problem. I I stopped eating beef and it was always problems to find like turkey products. So Mm -hmm. it was going to be an all turkey truck called Where's the Beef? Um, That was my first idea. Hey, I I still like that right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right. It was was a good idea. Didn't execute on it. But um, if you remember the, um, the, it was the art show that used to go to the Lear Core Center. Um, what was oh. it? October Gallery. Yeah, yeah. So 
So October Gallery had uh, American Express Financial Advisors had a booth there. And um, I went by the booth because I just started learning about investing at the time. And um, my sorority, shout out to Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, my sorority was putting on a program to teach college students how to invest. And I was the economic development program chair on campus. So I had to find a speaker and I was having the hardest time finding anybody to come uh, and speak to our group. So I decided I was going to do it. And so I, my <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I can't find anybody. So just let me do it. Like, yeah, that, that's kind of how it happened. So my uncle had just gotten a job at uh, Prudential and had to get the series six. Mm-hmm. So I got his series six book and I started studying that book um, and just highlighting and trying to come up with like a program to teach college kids. Cause I still have feelers out there and I'm still, you know, actively trying to seek somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and American Express was on my list of like, try to find an advisor. But at, in 2000, when this was happening, there weren't a lot of black advisors that I had access to. Yeah. Um, and so it was just hard to find them. I was writing letters to United Bank. Um, I was emailing. I went physically down there several times. Um, like it just was hard to find anybody to come. And so I was like, we're just going to have to do this ourselves. <laughs> and so I started studying. Fortunately, uh, we got somebody, uh, the Kappas actually hooked us up with um, somebody to come. One of their frat brothers worked at Morgan Stanley at the time. And so uh, he ended up coming, which is good because I have no idea what I would have taught them at that time. <laughs> it would have been a mess, <laughs> a hot mess. Uh, but that just lit a fire under me um, about investing. And I was like, I really want to know this. So while I'm at the Leah Core Center, uh, American Express had their booth and I check off the box that they had on this uh, comment card at the end. It said, are you interested in financial opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, eh, or a, a career opportunities. So I was like, eh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So maybe um, I checked it off, got a call. First, I turned them down because I was like, who's going to give me their money? I'm 20 years old. I'm clueless when it comes to finances. I'm a communications major. Who in their right mind is giving me their money? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy was like, no, we, we train you. It's going to be fine. I was like, fine. I need to practice anyway. Um, so I literally went into the interview, practiced. Um, my for practice. Um, so I was like super relaxed. I didn't really care if I got the job and they were like, you're perfect. This is great. Um, so I ended up accepting the job. Uh, figured I'd do it for a year just to help my friends and family. Since nobody taught us how to invest, I just wanted mm-hmm. to, to do that for like a year and then figure out what else I wanted to do. 21 years later, I'm running my own <laughs> firm. So <laughs> I guess amazing. it worked out. That's amazing. So when did you actually like, you know, fall in love with it? Was it the studying of it? Or once you started, you realized like, hey, I can do this. I'm, I'm pretty good at this and I actually like it. Um, I got excited about it first in the interview, actually. Okay. Uh, when they described what financial planning was, because mm-hmm. uh, my whole vision of it was like Wall Street stockbroker. Yes. Um, and I didn't I didn't know anything else. So, All right, well, so oh, let's go down right there. So so explain to our audience like what it actually means to be a financial planner then, right? So yeah. so what is it that made you excited about financial planning? What does it mean? Most people think of stocks, but actually a financial planner, what is that? So they really said that your job as a financial planner is to sit down with your clients 
and create strategy and, and uh, a plan for them to execute so that they can get to their goals more effectively. And so you work with them over a long period of time, uh, typically to invest, to save, to get the right insurances, to save money in taxes, to manage their cash flow. So you really are like the CFO of this family, right? Um, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I love relationship building. I love helping people one-on-one. Um, I'm good or at least fairly decent at sales and, and like it. Um, I think I can do this. Um, and then, you know, the first couple of times where you actually change somebody's financial trajectory, uh-huh. I just got addicted. Um, I was gotcha. like, yeah, I have to do this. Like everybody needs this. I got to do it. I got to figure out how to do it better um, and help as many people as I can. Amazing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it that's how it happened. <laughs> so tell me about. Um, so you worked at, uh, you know, American Express. Isn't that where um, didn't each work there, too, for a minute? Yeah, we actually started together. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We were uh, we started a month apart. So actually, uh, when I interviewed, since uh, we both went to Temple, yeah, uh, I remember the day we were both on campus, and I ran into her on um, on campus, and she was like, "What you doing after graduation?" I was like, "I just interviewed at this uh, place. I'm probably gonna take the job. Uh, it's American Express." She was like, "Oh, they still hiring?" I'm like, "Yeah, here, give them a call." Um, so both of us. Uh, ended up okay. starting there together and working that's together. Dope. Oh, that's amazing. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. I, that's dope. I didn't even realize that. So, yeah. so tell me about this, though. Tell me about this journey of um, working there and how did you end up at your own firm? Uh, so I, I was there for seven years uh, and I worked as I was a franchise owner at one point. Um, I was a manager, um, advisor coach. So I stayed there for seven years in like multiple capacities and uh, actually left after seven years and went to um, more of a corporate firm, um, TIAA-CREF, and um, worked in their wealth management group. And I started working with like high net worth people mm-hmm. um, and realized that that's not my passion. Like I like rich people, but I didn't get it in, into this to help only rich people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but after three years, I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Like they wouldn't even let, if you didn't have like, you know, a million dollars, half a million or more, um, they wouldn't even talk to you. And I remember having to get permission to work with somebody from my church and she had like 350 saved. And I was like, you know, and she was like, I got 350,000. I really need somebody I can trust. I know you, you work there, you know, can you help me? And I went to my boss and I was like, Hey, you know, this woman from my church, you know, she's got 350. So she's under the threshold. Can I work with her? And I had to go through hoops just to like work with somebody that I wanted to help. Mm. Uh, and I was like, man, this is this is really taken away from my passion Yeah. Uh, for helping my community in particular. Um, like I learned a lot, which I'm super grateful for. Um, I learned a ton and it it made me not be intimidated by wealthy people. I like that. Like that was that was important because from you know a poor kid growing up, somebody sits in front of you with a million or a couple million dollars. Um, you're like, man, how can I help them? Like, what what do I do? Mm-hmm. I used to get really intimidated by by that, um, but that took that away because all of my clients were millionaires at that point. Yeah. Um, so when when that's your norm, um, it wasn't intimidating anymore because I knew the value I could provide even to somebody at that level of of wealth. 
Um, so I stopped being intimidated then. So it was helpful there. So three years there, then I left and went, uh, I actually went back to grad school full time. Um, okay. cause I also have a master's in divinity and economic development. Okay. Um, so typically I focus in like the faith and finance space. Okay. Um, and so I went back to grad school full time and then, um, worked part time as an advisor for a small firm from, uh, one of the one of the advisors who used to work at American Express, he left, started his own firm, and I went to work with him part time. He set me up with, you know, an office and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, five years later, that's when I started this firm. So I've been running my own shop now for six years. Nice. That's that's an amazing journey right there. Um, yeah, it's a lot of it, a lot of no, fun. But, but, <laughs> but it also explains, like you know, um, how everything is part of your story. Even that step that you ended up realizing it's not your passion. That helped you to that still helped you to get to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. And I don't I don't regret that at all. It was really um it was just really important for me to take that kind of intimidation out of the equation. Uh, and know that I, I have value because you know it's I can add value to anybody. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> I like that. I can add value to anybody. <laughs> well, listen, let me, let me ask you this question. That's one hurdle. What would you say is the biggest hurdle in your career uh, from starting where you started? You said, you know, your words. I was, you know, poor, coming from, you know, poor little girl. But now, you know, you're working with million dollar clients and helping your community. What was the biggest hurdle? The biggest hurdle, um, I think, it was just me, uh, my own insecurities. Um, yeah, just I had like every reason to not do this. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, I didn't come from money. I didn't understand, you know, that world. Um, I didn't major in this. Um, I, you know, I kind of got a bleeding heart. So I want to help everybody all the time. And that often doesn't mix well in the business world. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. got this bleeding heart. I want to just help everybody. I actually also almost lost my job twice at American Express because um, I just didn't make the the numbers because all my clients were too poor. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I almost got fired twice. Um, so what helped you? What helped you with that? So if, if that was your hurdle, what helped you get over that hurdle? Um, I think faith. Quite honestly, okay. Um, I believed that I was called to this, and mm. so I couldn't stop until. You know, God said stop, <laughs> and He wanted me to stop. So you just yeah. keep fighting through it and just keep going um, until I, I felt like it was it was time to to end, and you know, it just wasn't time yet. So every time that I had one of those like hurdles or I was too intimidated, um, I think that's kind of where I drew all my my strength from. Oh, that's powerful. So when you feel like you're called for something, like you know, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah, you just you you take every lump and you you build on it, and so that's that's kind of where I think I got um, I got that kind of focus and determination from. If I didn't feel like I was called to it, I probably would have just quit. Understood. Um, but I felt like a deep sense of of calling. Mm-hmm. Understood. So I know there's certain things that you can't talk about, so I'm gonna leave that alone. But the one <laughs> thing I will ask you is this: um, What is the biggest misconception that people have in your experience? as it pertains to having a financial plan or dealing with their money? What is the biggest misconception, like something that you hear often from your clients? Um, that my job is really just to, to give them stocks to pick. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where 
I think I get a lot of that. Like, can you tell me what, what I'm supposed to buy? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of questions we got to answer before I can even get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you can, especially this day and age when we got, you know, apps that people could just get on their phone and just yep. buy this and, and buy that. Um, people think that that's what I'm going to do for them. Okay. Um, and don't realize how much strategy is involved in investing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to do it right, you need to have some some thought up front. Yep. Um, before you get into you know just picking random stocks because you like you like them or you heard they were good. Um, so I, I get that a lot where people just want me to be a stock picker <laughs> uh, and don't want to do the fundamental things that it takes to actually be a good investor. Mm, nice, nice. They want to skip steps all the time. So, what is the number one fundamental thing that you think you know everybody should start with or think about? At least, at least think about like as they're getting started. What's something from a fundamental standpoint? Fundamentals. Um, I'm going to say start with consistent income. Okay. Um, you have to find a way to make sure that your income is consistent, because otherwise, you're going to tap into your investments too early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that will also help you build just a cash reserve for emergencies because you need your investments to be your investments. Yeah. They need to do what they're supposed to do. Um, and if you are using them to live, you're never going to be able to build wealth effectively. Oh, yes. There you go. That was, you that was, <laughs> listen, that, that was, that right there was a gem, right? Because I remember um, in working in that space in the past um, when I was licensed, no one wanted to hear that part. No, right? because it was, you know, they call it, they considered it boring and no one wanted to hear it, but it was almost like, you know, um, building a house without a foundation, I guess. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So I know exactly where you're coming from with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody wants the sexy part, but yeah, yeah. It, you gotta, you gotta do all this other stuff first uh, before you even get there. It's just, it takes time. It takes discipline uh, and focus and nobody wants to put that part in. Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. Um, what is a book or a couple books or some of your favorite books? And they, they can be financial or non-financial that have helped you uh, along your journey. <laughs> um, help me along the journey. Uh, I was thinking about this question when you, when you asked the, mm-hmm. uh, one of your other guests before I have so many books that I read. What are, uh, give me a couple of them. What are some yeah, of your I'll, get, I'll give you a few. One of the, one of the books that actually changed my perspective on wealth was the millionaire next door. Um, yeah. I actually found it an incredibly boring book. Um, but from a perspective change, it I helped. love that book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't find it exciting, but I was like, "Wow, this, this, I needed to to see and hear um, from this author because I think that that fundamentally um, speaks to what you think about wealth, what's perceived out there as being wealthy, and then what truly is wealthy." I put a lot of thought and probably probably way too much thought into that um, when reading the book, but then I, I, it, it dawned on me that. You know, from the time we're born, we're being marketed to, right? All the time. From the day we're born, like, you know, there's literal ads being made for kids, right? So right. We're, so we're being marketed to. And there's another great book I read called Brandwatch, which talks about how brands, you know, um, pretty much take control of us since we're kids. So we're, we're taught wealth is one thing from the time we're born to, to the time we're adults. It is difficult to retrain your brain because you think wealthy is, you know, laying on yachts and having fast right. And and then you understand that the the really wealthy don't even want you to know they have money. <laughs> right, so exactly. It's a, it's a whole different perspective. So that that's a powerful book, though. So um, yeah, 
definitely. But that's why, like, we're, we're marketed to 24-7, 365. You can't even get on, on your phone. You can't even check your email without an ad. It's ads in your email. Like Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, know? they're stalking you to sell you stuff. And exactly. you really have to train. I actually, well, one of my other favorite books is the one I wrote. Um, but I wrote about that uh, in, in my book, Money on Purpose. Mm -hmm. There's a whole section on um, just advertising and, you know, how as an advertising major, I was learning how to do that, mm. uh, learning how to capture people's attention. And today with the algorithms that are out there, it's even worse. Like all social media is basically one big old slot machine to get you addicted and to keep staring and looking and looking so that they can just get better and better demographic information to make more ads, more effective. Um, so that- Money on purpose, where can, where can the people go pick your book up at? Um, you can go to Amazon. You can grab it from Amazon. Money okay. on purpose is there. You can also go to my website, um, uh, getinsightts.com. Mm -hmm. And I'll put the link to that within the description as well as the show notes for the piece so everybody can check it out. But so, okay, that's, that's, that's good stuff right there. Um, any more books you want to bring up in terms of you being your favorite? Um, favorite books. Um, <laughs> the Bible is great for uh, mm -hmm. even finances. There's over uh, 2,200 scriptures on money and, and work and possessions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I think Jesus talked talk more about that than he did about prayer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, <laughs> he did. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm with you, but let me ask you this question. How do folks feel when they hear you say that, right? Because some people may, may push back against that. Some, some folks <laughs> out there may not like the fact that you say that. Um. Yeah, I don't know, it because it, it, it is what it is, right? Okay. It's it's in there, and yeah. money is the the thing that competes for our heart's attention all the time. So Ooh. it's probably the biggest competitor against God um, is is money and possessions and the the perspective of power that comes with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the the greatest. I think rivals, um, if there could be a rival um, to God in, in terms of competing with our heart. Yes. Um, so if you don't talk about money in the church, then you're missing a big portion of what people are, are forced to deal with every single day and the temptations that are out there. And if you teach people how to actually um, overcome that, how to deal with that, how to see it, how to see through it, and to get to the things that are truly valuable, um, then you you have a much more powerful people because everything else in this world is all geared towards the opposite. It's geared towards making you worship money, geared towards making you, um, you know, devote your life to it. Um, it's essentially gearing you to worship it consistently. So um, you have to talk about that, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and so I do. Uh, I mean, I'm an ordained minister, and if I could tell, I'm ready to pass the plate right now. You going <laughs> in? Like, oh, I could tell. Sheesh, that was so. That was, that, that was is tough. something that that I, I do. Uh, I don't shy away from talking about. I, okay. I don't have a problem talking about it, and not in just the context of giving, which is typically mm -hmm. how you <laughs> when you associate the church and money. That's all people think about is giving. Um, but no, how do, how do you spend it well? How do you save it well? How do you invest it well? All of this is wrapped up in, in our faith too. So um, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't have an issue with it. And mm -hmm. I know other people might, um, but if I show you, if you show me somebody's checkbook or their bank statement, I can show you their priorities. 
right, all right, man. You got me excited over here. Now, let me ask you a question, though. Because that's a bar right there. If you show me someone's checkbook, uh, all right, I got you. Now, um, the majoring, right? You were going into advertising and communications. How has that, if any, um, helped you with your business? Um, I think from a communication standpoint, I've always learned how people have to hear things, not just what I want to say. Um, so when you're dealing with one-on-one with people, I have to listen very carefully to people because when you're talking about money, it's very personal um, and it's very sensitive because a lot of people just don't want to share because it, it's it's also a space of a lot of shame um, and insecurity. Um, and you have to make people really comfortable with sharing that kind of stuff with you. Um, so I think learning how to communicate and learning that communication is dominantly listening um, has has been helpful uh, mm-hmm. and knowing how to speak to a different audience. So if I have somebody who is um, the opposite of my personality, I need to be able to adjust Okay. Um, and make sure that I'm speaking to them in a way that they can hear it, um, not just saying what I want to say. Okay. But where I think I, I'm not great at is I'm not a good, I don't advertise for myself well. Um, mm-hmm. I can advertise for other people fairly well, but I don't I do not do that well for myself. So I would say I actually fall short on the advertising uh, perspective there. All right, there's two things from there. For, for one, um, the self-awareness is amazing to say that you know exactly <laughs> where you struggle at. But why do you think that is? Why do you think that you will be able to advertise for someone that's been struggle with, like you know, um, putting your business or yourself out there? What is? What do you think that is? I think I'm just too emotionally connected. Um, okay. And so when you have to to narrow things down and get like specific and use data and um, you know a lot more logistics to to get to the right audience to get the right message out there, I need somebody else to do that for me. Okay. Um, because you know this is my baby here. Um, this is, is what I've, I've built from the ground up. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot invested of me in it. Um, so I'm always cautious with what I put out there or what I want to put out there. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say, you know, I don't know Understood. how to do that well. So I think that that's where um, that blind spot comes in. And I, I think, um, you know, that's the space where I need to rely on other people yeah. uh, to do that. Yeah, and that, that that's that that's key, right? Because I struggle with um delegating, right? Mm. Um, but you know, we just we just like hired a third person, and it has been amazing, right? Taking things off of your plate, yeah. Right? So I, I think that as a as a business owner, you start to learn that, like you you have to be able to let people do some of the things you're not strong at, right? And right. you have to be honest on. about where you're not strong. <laughs> like yeah. you're not, you know, Superman or Superwoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not expected to do everything well. I know the areas where I do things well, and I, I know the things that I can't yet afford to completely delegate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have to improve my skill mm-hmm. um, to to make it manageable and to get by. And I know the things that I can't afford to delegate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I grow then that, you know, line item on my budget gets bigger. <laughs> the delegation <laughs> yeah. line item, I'm like, all right, now you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and mm-hmm. you're going to do this. Oh, man, you gave me so many gems to that. So let me ask you this question. What is the future for you and your firm? What are some of the things that you're looking to do uh, or things that you're looking to accomplish or work on in the future? Um, yeah, I think 
the future for me, my my goal actually this year and next year um, is to to hire more advisors. Okay. Um, in between in the next two years, um, too, um, and then you know, kind of manage it from there. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily want to continue to grow just by me taking on more clients. This is mm -hmm. part of this uh, delegation. Um, so I hired my first full-time employee last year. Congratulations. Um, that's that's yeah. dope. That's dope. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and uh, towards the fall, I'm targeting to hire the second. So um, as I get, um, yeah, as I get bigger as a firm, I don't want it to just be me. Mm -hmm. um, I want to provide opportunity for other people um, to to have a platform, you know, to to start this because I don't think as a community we're gonna get ahead financially until we also have people that we can trust in the business mm -hmm. who know and understand us, and so we need more financial advisors. Yes, um, that look like us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that, that's just that's going to change how many people engage it or even think it's possible to have one. Yep. Uh, I think we're only like five percent of the industry right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, about 15 percent of the population, only five percent of the industry. So that so and CFPs, it's even less. It's less than two percent are actually CFPs. Wow. I didn't know that, that, it, that it was that crazy. I didn't know it was that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting, right? But you are right because there's certain things from a cultural standpoint that you'll be able to relate to that someone else won't. When someone's, you know, um, trying to get their plan together and they're telling you about things they're dealing with, right? right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my my parents are dealing with the same thing. Right? Exactly. I remember exactly. seeing that when I was a kid. Like exactly. That, so that, that matters. That that, that that's, that's representation does matter. It absolutely mm -hmm. does matter. So listen, Shana. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Um, thank you for for everything because you got me over here excited right now, man. Like you know, I feel like I need to ask for the cash app. You was over here preaching, man. Like <laughs> I can add value to anybody. Like I'm, I'm a, so, so I'm definitely I'm definitely inspired. And um, I just want to say thank you for your time and also continue to grow. And um, you know, I look forward to seeing you know all the success that you have in the future. I'm very proud of you because. Like you said, you're doing amazing work and you're helping other people, um, you know, feed their family. And that's revolutionary, if anything. Yeah, that, that is definitely my goal. I, I never wanted to succeed alone. So if I can try to bring somebody else along, um, that's that's the goal. Absolutely. So I um, just want to say thank you so much. I, I appreciate you. And um, for everybody watching this or listening to the audio, I'll make sure to put all of her contact information within the show notes. If you're looking for someone to help you out, um, you know, you'll be able to reach out to her. I'll put up social media links and all that. Um, you know, you heard she said she she's not good at advertising herself, so I'm gonna do it for her. I want you, <laughs> yeah, I want, I want you people to follow her and see what she's got going on. It's it's all positive. Um, and, and she's out here helping the people. So Shana, again, I just want to say thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I've actually sent a couple of my clients to your uh to the to the courses. Hey, appreciate that. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's a co-sign right there. You guys hear that? That's that's from someone that you know knows their stuff. But thank you so much. Um and again, uh continue success and anything you need from us, we are here to support you in any way. To our audience out there, check everything that she has going on out there. Um and as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game Elevates. We'll see you guys on our next episode. Peace. All right. Thanks.